quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Donna Mantis, the random podcast with a random name. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Donna Mantis. Also, uh, com. Make sure you like and subscribe if you like what you're hearing. How's it going, Joe? You sound like you've done that a time or, or 57. Yeah, it's, it's coming pretty natural now. It's coming naturally. <laughs> I didn't, you're almost like, hey, this is your one-stop rock stop Chuck Ivan in the morning with 92.9 the K or whatever. Yeah, it's, it, I don't want it to sound rehearsed, but it, it, it was rehearsed. It well, has it, been rehearsed. It can't not be. Yeah. I mean, we have to say that every time. How are you not going to say? At one you, time, I thought about recording it and just like having it where i could drag it drag and drop it but i thought no come on yeah let's be organic yeah yeah no one else does that i mean i guess no one else does that sure i don't hear many people that do that i don't either we'll say usually they do their own plugs so (laughs) how's it going tonight i'm good yeah good (laughs) that's perfect that's what i was hoping i was hoping you wouldn't say ah crappy no like oh no life is an existential downward spiral drain into pure hell ivan yeah. That's how my life is going. No, All right. Really. Then I'd be like, and okay, let's move on to the episode. Yes. <laughs> and on to the topic. I, I won't allow you to elaborate if you answer <laughs> like that. Because I'm not going to like the answer. Yeah, man. No, I, we've, we've, we've ranted before, but I guess we have no rants tonight. Nothing, no. No, no, no uh, things, problem, worldly problems we want to solve. No, I notice I have less rants when I'm more excited about the subject matter. Oh yeah, like when okay. I'm, when I'm Jones and more to get into the subject matter, I'm no, like, no, yeah, I'm interested in this too. And this is this will be like the third time that we've talked about cults. If yeah. you think about it, yeah, yeah. I mean, not three in a row, but uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I guess cults are super intriguing. So uh, obviously, I mean, it's not like oh, cults are boring. There's really not much goes on with them. I mean, <laughs> there, you would never hear that counterpoint. At least it's been a good gap because our very first episode was about cults. Our second episode was an interview with a former cult member, Christina yes. Abreu. Well, and she was, I guess she was a cult member, but she was a child. Yes. Her parents were cult members. Yeah, she, she really didn't have a choice. And then when she, she had a choice, she left. Yeah, yeah. So good, good choice. On, good on her. <laughs> yeah, good choice. So That was a fantastic episode. She's incredibly intelligent. You yeah. should go back if you want to listen to um, um, just some, it was mainly her talking. Most of the time we had a few random questions, but pretty much. She was just ready to 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 spill let let everything kind of spill, and she uh, is a, a professor, right? University yeah, but she's professor. not at the U of A anymore. She she moved oh, okay. to like somewhere Louisiana or somewhere. Yeah. So and yeah. we lost touch. But yeah, it's a great interview. Yeah, it was a great interview. Okay, all right. So what do we got? Let's roll with this with this cult stuff. Well, we're going to start out with the man at the epicenter of the whole Heaven's Gate cult thing, and that oh yeah. Was, this, if we didn't say it's Heaven's Gate cult, if you guys remember that one. Yeah. If you don't, it's good. But if you do, even better. I don't know right. that I mentioned. Did I mention Heaven's Gate? I don't think we have yet. Okay. Okay. Maybe we have. My, I don't know. I don't know. If, is it weird to have a favorite cult? Because mine has changed over the years. But Heaven's Gate, 
I remember being 17 years old. Well, it was about a month before my 17th birthday. It was late March. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching the news the night that all yeah. these bodies were found. Yeah. And ever since then, man, I've just been I just intrigued. never forget the guy's face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about it so much. Sure. If if you watch his his initiation videos and his class videos, which I have, all of them, sometimes he talks for, I swear to God, like a good two and a half solid minutes without blinking. He was, it's just, wow. it's, mes, it's mesmerizing and creepy at the same time. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. And, and just to kind of let you know, this will probably be at least a two-parter. At so least. Uh, buckle up for this one. Yeah. Are y'all ready? We're ready. Let's roll. So Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. was was born in Spur, Texas, off to a great start. Seven words in, and I'm already messing up. No, it's up. all right. Yes. No, he was born, good. born in Spur, Texas on May 17th, 1931. Now, his father was a Presbyterian minister, so religion was a huge part of his upbringing. From a young age, Marshall is described as being bright, charismatic, and funny. He was an overachiever in school, a jester on the honor roll, as one person put it. He attended Corpus Christi High School, and after that, was on to Austin College, where he earned a bachelor's degree in philosophy in 1952. From here, Marshall began to follow in his father's footsteps, and he enrolled at Union Presbyterian Seminary to study theology and the pursuit of becoming a minister. Hmm. It would appear that Marshall Applewhite was well on his way to becoming a successful, upstanding preacher in the community, just like his father had. Things were developing in his personal life as well. It was about the time he enrolled in seminary that Marshall met and married his wife, Anne Pierce. Not long after beginning seminary studies, Marshall had a change of heart and abandoned becoming a minister, though, in favor of pursuing a career in music. His first gig in this field was as music director of a Presbyterian church in North Carolina. This position wouldn't last long, however, because in 1954, uh, Marshall was drafted into the U.S. military, where he would serve both in Austria and New Mexico in the Army Signal Corps. After his two-year stint in the Army, Marshall resumed his musical pursuits and enrolled in the University of Colorado, where he earned a master's degree in music with a focus on musical theater. Hmm. So have you found any of his music, like... His sing, did he did he sing? Or he sang what? really well, apparently. Really, he had a really good speaking voice, and yeah. I haven't listened. I haven't heard any of his music. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And I feel kind of silly because I haven't even looked for it. No, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> you you found a ton of other things. I mean, that's just one little thing I thought you might have found, but it's all right. It's well, cool. it's weird because everything he really everything he dipped his toe in, he was pretty successful at. You know what I mean? He probably had a certain tenacity at things um and and in intelligence um i remember back on the cult episode we said that usually high level of intelligence and also very charismatic so that would make you probably a very good musician and oh yeah you know um yeah and also resilience and you know i mean you'd have to have those things you'd have to be able to tell the same thing to people over and over again probably um, have that type of perseverance to, to, to get followers. Yeah. So I would think that would translate over to any kind of hobby that you would have Yeah. or profession, which he, you know, music was a profession. So well, anyway. it's, with him and we'll, we'll get into it, but it seems like he would get into something and he would do pretty well, pretty quickly. And then he would move on. Mm. He would cut short. He wouldn't just go yeah. on to like really excel. He'd be like, ah, and then he would just, he was like restless. You know what I mean? Probably got bored with it. Yeah. I yeah, think so. Restless and boredom. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, one thing we notice already is that Marshall Applewhite never seemed to be in one place for very long. This theme would only intensify as he grew older, but for starkly different reasons as job relocations and army reassignments. Nevertheless, not long after earning his master's degree, Marshall was off to New York City, New York City, New York City, where he attempted to launch some sort of acting career and or a career in music. After finding little to no success, though, in the Big Apple, Marshall was uh, again on the move. Falling back on his degree, he secured a position as assistant professor at the University of Alabama, serving as choir master for many of the singing groups. However, like most other things in the life of Marshall Applewhite, this didn't last very long. But here is where the positive trajectory that is in his life begins to change. You see, Despite being a well-dressed, educated, charismatic, well-spoken professor at a major college, Marshall Applewhite on the inside was a conflicted man with a few secrets, one of which was his sexuality, which I just said he was, you know, like handsome, well-dressed, well-spoken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's a good, really good singer. He was in choir, loved theater. Not to be stereotypical, but let's not kid ourselves. Generally, those can be associated with with yes. that yes or oh, you yeah. can just call me a pig i don't know no sure. i don't think you're being um negative or, no. or rude or stereotypical you're just saying that um sometimes those traits are synonymous you know mm-hmm. with that you tell me an overwhelming majority of of gay people do not like musicals and i will yeah jump off a bridge but i i do too though so yeah, i do too and so is my daughter so. yeah so we're gay my friend yep wow revelations on this podcast i'm just kidding but um, it took 58 episodes yeah (laughs) this is what it was all about working to this moment that's right but despite being a fairly religious married father of two marshall applewhite was indeed gay in the closet of course when he left his position at the university of alabama in 1965 it was amidst rumors that he had attempted some sort of sexual relationship with a male student in 1965, we would, would, uh, would also be the year that he and his wife, Anne, would separate after he discovered she had had an affair. But despite losing a job over a legend... And then he's like, how could you? I know. <laughs> I tried and I failed and you succeeded, so <laughs> it's over, hussy. No. Yeah. But despite losing a job over alleged sexual misconduct with a student and a temporary separation from his wife after her affair, Marshall and Anne reunited and moved back to Texas that same year. Once there, he began teaching at the University of St. Thomas in Houston, where he also served as chair of the music department. He even became a fairly popular singer in the area as the choir director of an Episcopal church and also performed with the Houston Grand Opera. But even with all this success, Applewhite couldn't outrun his problems. His relationship with his wife continued to deteriorate, and the two divorced in 1968. This began a tumultuous period in his life. After the divorce, Applewhite was reportedly openly gay for a brief time, although it seems he was stubbornly pursued a relationship with a young woman also. So I think we can say that he is bisexual, I guess. Uh, And her parents eventually pressured her into leaving him. So that one went down the drain Mm. as well. Yeah. So confused, alone, and depressed, Marshall resigned his position at the university in 1970, citing personal and emotional issues. However, some theorize that he left over yet another alleged affair with a student. Either way, fellow staff at the university recalled that Applewhite was often confused, scatterbrained, and disorganized in the last few months leading up to his departure. 
After leaving the university, whatever the circumstances may have been, Marshall decided to head to New Mexico for a fresh start. Once there, he opened a deli, and surprise, surprise, it was instantly fairly popular and pretty successful. He was popular and well-liked by the customers. Despite this, though, his stay there was brief, as usual. Marshall would abruptly leave the deli and New Mexico altogether and return to Texas when his father passed away, although some accounts claim his father passed away after Marshall returned to Texas. I couldn't iron that one out, but either way, they were both in close succession. Okay. Um, the death of Applewhite Sr. was devastating to Marshall and only exa- exacerbated, I'm sorry, his already crippling depression. I couldn't verify, but some accounts claim that he also spent some time in a mental institution around this time. Mm. So we got Marshall Applewhite. He's got a 16-year marriage. That's yeah. how long him and Anne were married. The 16-year marriage is over, although I don't really feel like I don't really feel like he's crushed about that. About not having Anne? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he probably is to some degree. I mean, if you're with someone that long, you care about them a certain way, even though, even though if you, you know, you always hear the thing like in a movie or whatever, it's like, well, I don't love you anymore. Well, I mean, that's not, that's not probably true in a lot of cases. Right. It's probably just like, I don't want to be with you anymore. I, you know, it's not like you, you're just like. As soon as you walk away, it's okay if a bus runs over him. You know, <laughs> you still care about him. That's a pretty extreme example, but you still care about him. You, you just, you just fathered the crap out of me. Let me tell. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if you ever saw this episode or not. An episode of Growing Pains, where uh, I, his dad was talking to Mike Seaver. Yeah, our old pal. What's his oh, name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. Yes. Well. Mr. Seaver was talking to him, and it was, I don't remember the whole thing of it, but it was something about he wasn't, was it, was it Growing Pains? I mean, you had me, I mean, I was. I you was, had me at Growing Pains. I, I, I was painting the middle Im- image of in the kitchen with all the plants and stuff there. So. I feel like it was that where he had broken up with her, and he was down about it, then he realized that he didn't really care for her that much, and the dad said, you know, it's okay to not want to be with someone, but just because you don't want to be with her doesn't mean you want to see her face on the grill of a Mack truck. You oh, know? okay. And then everybody laughed. That kind of sounds from. I probably stole it from that. No, I, I don't think well, you I, I watched all that stuff when I was a kid. So I remember twenty. Okay, twenty years ago, teenage Ivan is like on the on the couch <laughs> eating popcorn, watching that scene, <laughs> and it just stuck somewhere in the recesses. I'm of not your grabbing mind. my chin. I'm going to mention this in twenty years on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. No, I, don't I think mean, you. you never know where you get stuff. You, you you're just like a you know a snowball rolling down a hill, you know, gathering up material. But uh, you know, I, I just think that this guy with her, he he probably cared about her enough, but he knew that the kind of lifestyle he lived, and he gets he gets bored all the time. But the thing, the, the kind of the foreshadowing in this is that society is not allowing him to be kind of who he wants to be. Yeah. And the whole thing with the marriage. And I mean, obviously come on, let's, let's, let's be truthful. Um, you're not going to be accepted in the, the community he was in being a bisexual man, especially back then. Oh yeah. I mean, now there's actually, um, a, a slice of Christianity where it's like, Hey, you know how we've always treated the you know homosexuals that's not very christian like <laughs> yeah. and so they're actually pro christian and i'm not tell, it's not bah, dah, 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 breaking news i'm not telling anyone right right but i mean it's it's very interesting that 
you know, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but, you know, it's very interesting. That, recently. Yeah, more recently. Yeah. You know, that there's a, but I mean, it's directly against the teachings. Uh, anyway, uh, but I just kind of feel like all, all of this had to lead to what what he became later. It was like, you got to change with the times or sometimes your religion is not going to, when society evolves past your religion, you yeah. got to change with it. Like, look at Mormonism. Yeah. Up until, like, what, the 70s, they thought black people were inferior. And somewhere around that time, they were like, we better change that. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. But then you got the purists that still stay with it. Yeah. Which is kind of scary. Yeah. But, very- uh, um, but, I mean, think about this. Think about, like, the Amish. There was a time where other farmers probably had tractors, and they probably <laughs> said, well, that's a luxury item. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to today, well, they got the tractors, but they don't have the cars because the cars are a luxury item. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like they're just a little bit, you know, bad. They totally aren't dragging those, like, pickup bed trailers with a camper shell on it. Yeah. Or that they sit on and they ride into town. Yeah. You might as well be in a Cadillac. Yeah. Really? Well. Sellouts? It, it's, no, it's, I'm just kidding. It's, Jay Leno had a great line. I'll never forget it on the Tonight Show. He was just doing his monologue, and he said... There are some Amish people in somewhere that are the the law states that you have to have one of those orange triangles on the back of your vehicle if you're if you're on the back of your trailer or your horse and buggy if you're gonna go down the interstate. Yeah. And they basically refused and said, We don't want anything to draw attention to us. We don't want that. <laughs> and he's like, A horse and buggy on the interstate? <laughs> I don't ever forgot it. I don't ever forget it. it was, it's you know, love or hate Jay Jay Leno. He is a master of, you know, uh, yeah, stand up and stuff like that. I yeah, mean, he's good at what he does. Obviously, um, anyway. But I just thought that was a funny. Good line. thing that they had that eight by eight inch orange triangle on that horse and buggy from the seventeen hundreds, or I wouldn't have saw it on I ninety five. That is a good point. But I mean, they're just saying like. Yeah, you already have attention drawn to you. <laughs> it's not the orange triangle we're all staring at. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just kind of funny. Oh, So, we're going to move to the next phase of In the Life of Marshall Applewhite. All right. Meeting Bonnie Lou Nettles. Okay. This didn't sound good. It didn't turn out good, but I guess it depends on who you ask. Isn't there another Nettles? In, in... No, I'm thinking of Nichols. Sorry. I'm thinking of Terry Nichols. Which oh, that's totally different. Nope, Oklahoma well, City bombing. Yeah, not totally different, but it's different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a cult, I don't think. But yeah, well, uh, sort of, right? I mean, because weren't they inspired by Ruby Ridge and Waco? Waco, yeah, Waco. yeah, yeah. And, and Ruby Ridge very much so. And Waco wasn't McVeigh. I don't know if he was with Nichols then, but wasn't McVeigh selling like and anarchist T-shirts at Waco? Yeah, or was that Ruby Ridge or Waco? I know it was Waco. Probably Waco. He was outside yeah. of the compound at Waco spreading rhetoric and handing yeah. out flyers and selling. Yeah. I yeah. hate to say it, but there are some points. Now, I, I'm not one of those Hitler had some good ideas type guy. <laughs> but the whole fire thing, I mean, some people got fired up. About, <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, but some people got I'll really, burn. I'm no. just going to keep going with it. Some people got really fired up about the way that was handled and it, it, you know, fueled. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Really? 
I can't stop. It's everything. <laughs> it's like an inferno. But anyway, <laughs> I will say there are there are people in that camp that you know were probably at a level nine, and then that turned the dial to eleven. Yeah, and I, you know, not that any of your, your other ideas are good, but that's something that you got to understand that that you know got them more angry. Yeah, almost like a self fulfilling prophecy because sure. Here, David Koresh is saying, they're coming after us. Yeah. And then they come after you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. You know, we could talk about that kind of stuff all day. But and, and I know that you have to do something. But I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is. I don't know if tanks with flamethrowers was the right call. Well, man, Ruby Ridge was a smaller scale, but just as bad. Yeah. I mean, a woman was shot in the head yeah. while holding a baby. Yeah. And no weapon, a baby. Yeah. A baby's not a deadly weapon, I don't think. Yeah. So I mean, it was totally effed it, up. It's almost like hindsight. It's twenty twenty, but it's it's maybe some psychology should have been brought in there. It's like, what can we do that won't inspire a new generation of people that are you know sitting at home watching this, yeah. thinking that the government's messed up anyway? Yeah. You know. Yeah. What What can we do? What's the best PR play? And I know they just want to deescalate the situation and get it get everyone. I think as many people out as they can safely. I'm on their side. I get that. But at some point, don't you got to think, what can we do to not inspire this to happen? You know? Yeah. I mean, some stuff, I, I realize some, it, it would be taken wrong anyway. But, um, you know, you know, you, you'd be, you'd be hated anyway, but not lamented maybe well when things like <laughs> you're right when things like ruby ridge and waco happen every anti-government nut every anarchist sure. everywhere at home watching on tv is like tv is like thank you yeah this is that is just playing right yeah into the hands affirmation and not even just affirmation but like another level of, of affirmation like oh i thought they were bad but now i know for sure and now i'm mad you know so and now, now what am I going to do to settle the score or whatever? And bringing it back to cults, it's like when the governor or the senator, I believe it was, went to Jonestown. Jim oh, Jones had yeah. been telling all of them, they're going to come. They're going to come get us. They're going to kill uh, us because, you yeah. know, we're about to achieve like this wonderful thing. And and then when he came and when he left and took people with him, you know, that's when he sent sure. everyone. He's like, they're going to start taking us. And then he said he's going to go get a whole army of people and they're going to come back. And it's better mm. to kill ourselves and go out on our own terms now than to have these people come back and die in chains. We, we die in chains, you know? Yeah. And that's why they committed suicide, bringing it back to cults. Wow. So, yeah. And, and I guess, you know, he died too, so he probably believed that as well, I guess. Yeah, and more than anyone, more than any other cult leader that I've ever studied, I think Marshall Applewhite, and we'll get into it too with the details of why, I 100% believe he was not BSing people. I believe he totally was convinced of his own yeah. greatness and all this stuff that he was preaching. I do not think that it yeah. was just a ruse. Yeah. Well, let's hope not. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter, I guess, but it's it's interesting to say the least. Oh, yeah. So, okay, let's roll with that. Well, in 1972, this year found Marshall Applewhite Jr. lost, depressed, and dejected. His career was over. He was divorced from his wife of 16 years. His father was gone. And he was still conflicted between his sexuality and the religious teachings he devoted most of his life to. Well, it just so happened that at that precise same time, there was someone else feeling just as lost and confused as he. And when the two happened to meet that same year, it would change both of their lives and many other lives forever. 
Bonnie Lou Nettles was a married mother of four working as a nurse in 1972. That would be enough to keep most people busy, but Bonnie was also very deep into theology and mysticism. She and her daughter, Terry, would often stand in the backyard at night, looking up amongst the stars in hopes of seeing a UFO. Bonnie would often lament about feeling like she didn't belong and hoped that one night a UFO would whisk her away to another plane of existence. Bonnie also frequently held... <laughs> Ask Travis Walton about that. I don't think you want that. No, you don't want to end up naked in a phone booth in the rain however many days later. Or maybe you do. It depends on what you're into. But Sorry. That's my regular Friday night. What are you talking about? Bonnie also frequently held seances, performed astrological readings, and visited fortune tellers in hopes of discovering that she was destined for a higher purpose. Oh, and last but not least, and I couldn't corroborate this, but she was reportedly also convinced uh, that a 19th century monk named Brother Francis would communicate with her and give her instructions. Mm. Yeah. So, so there's that. Maybe he did. Uh, yeah, Bonnie Lou Nettles just couldn't shake the feeling that there was something more, something else out there that she was supposed to be a part of. It turns out that one of the uh, psychics she visited had predicted that she would meet, and this is there's a couple of t- times in this in this story that are weird. Like even you and I, like even completely forward thinking like level-headed people have to say well how the hell did that happen you know it's super yeah. weird super weird but we'll get to that yeah okay this is the first one uh this psychic predicted that she would meet a tall slender man with light hair and a fair complexion and this man would be incredibly important to her life's meaning now did that mean that she would set about looking for you know every tall slender man that she saw with a fair complexion and light colored hair would she like go talk to him or like you know what i mean that yes. could have been the case i yes, don't know it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's it's very so if you gave me that and i went to walmart i could find that guy yeah you know it's like when you buy a hyundai and then all of a sudden you notice a million hyundais on yeah. the road it's like yeah. planting that seed in the sure. back of your brain sure yeah um confirmation bias and also if someone just tells you if someone tells you gives you characteristics of someone and then i mean your brain is super powerful so if you if there's like three hits and a miss couldn't your brain or i think your brain could probably just like change like that one oh dark dark hair not light sorry yeah you know yeah, uh, he may, he probably said dark. Yeah, three out of four characteristics ain't bad. Yeah, but they probably change one to where it's four four out of four. You know, you know, oh, man, I don't even know if she was like tall. Me. Well, five eleven. That's pretty tall, <laughs> right? Yeah, okay. The taller, I mean, taller than five ten. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is my guy. Tallish, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I told you that when Jess and I went to read to the to uh, the tarot card reader. Yeah, she predicted. She didn't say you guys are going to be taking care of a baby. Yeah. That's not yours. But she said, you know, remember, uh, a child doesn't have to be of your own blood to love it and raise it as your own. And I see paperwork in your future and I see this and this. And then a year later, we're sitting there with a baby and all of a sudden we're like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I know someone else. I'll change it kind of where it makes it anonymous. There's a person that I know that long time ago. uh visited a psychic and was told that uh, she was going to bear a couple children. Uh, and she said that's impossible because up to that point, she either couldn't or she had, you know, not been able to or whatever. Yeah. And uh, maybe it was three kids, but, but anyway, ended up having the three kids. And oh, even wow. this, this person even said like, you know, 
this many boys and this this many one girl or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to keep it as vague as possible because sure, sure. I don't want to tell someone no, else's story. No, no, no. yeah. Because yeah. they, they probably would listen to this and be like, that's me. Yeah. What? You didn't. Chrissy. I didn't have expressed written consent. <laughs> I just want to be respectful. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, that happened almost to the letter. So, you know, uh, there can always be law of averages. The, the sure. More, even with Nostradamus, the more shit you throw at the wall, some of it's going to stick and it's going to be amazing. And yeah, but a lot of it didn't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just one of those things. It's just like it's it's just the way our brains work. I mean, we we. You know, we get the hits and we just ignore the misses. And, and that's that's just and, you know, that's not a bad thing because that's just being an optimist. Yeah. You know, instead of saying, well, they're full of it. It's like, hey, maybe maybe they're not full of it. You know, <laughs> it's just not it's being nice and not being a jerk to the person, you know. Exactly. So, you know, I, th- I think it's, there's a lot to be said for that. I agree. Yep. Well said. Be nice. Well put, my friend. <laughs> so. The event would happen soon after the reading, but there are two, and that's the event of her meeting this guy. Mm-hmm. But there are two versions of how uh, Marshall met Bonnie. According to Applewhite himself, he was visiting a sick friend in the hospital where Bonnie worked, and when she entered the room, the two locked eyes and instantly knew that they each shared a deep esoteric knowledge and were destined to meet. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. But, sounds like a sounds like something from a movie. A movie. Well, see, that's the thing. It turns out that he tended to kind of beef up a lot yeah. of the stories. Sure. Make them a little sexier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be, that sounds like a pulpit story. Yes. Yeah. Which is why he was good. I mean, that's why he yeah. sucker people into doing Don't you think that any good storyteller is kind of like that? Don't you think they, uh, you know, can just take, you know, vague things and kind of shape it a little bit better sure. and spit yeah. it back out and yeah. just make it sound... You know, polish it up a little yeah. bit, make it a little sexier. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I keep using that term, but that's a sexy story. <laughs> story so is. sexy, Whew, but really not. It's a hot story. <laughs> but according to Bonnie's daughter Terry and several other people, like six other people, her mother met Applewhite at a drama school in a local theater where he worked for a brief time. Bonnie's son Joe had been attending the school and that is what brought her to the theater and where she met marshall sounds more plausible i know it's not like the stars aligned and and whatnot well it's it's the other thing it's like hey i'm a good guy i was there helping somebody else and i met her yeah so that was almost like a a a me monster story in a way you know true yeah i didn't think about that way yeah i look good i look better in this version yeah so I was delivering this baby just after rescuing a cat yeah. from a tree. Yeah. No. Instead, I was at drama practice. <laughs> it's like learning my lines. Yeah. And yeah. It didn't look quite as good. Even well, though it's pretty cool. I mean, I've never done any, like, you know what you and I should do? We should uh, watch the boards and uh, uh, go audition for some kind of community theater up in, oh. up, up in town one of these days. Do they do that at Theater Square? I've town? seen it. Well, no, that's actually a little bit higher level. Oh, we couldn't. We're not that good. No, no. Okay. Th- no, they actually have community theater, though. I've seen it on some stuff. I'll yeah. walk I'll walk in, sit down, be like, look, I'll do nude, <laughs> but I just want notice. Like, I want six months notice so I can tone up a little. It's like, sir, there's no uh, nude in uh, Tom Sawyer. <laughs> It's like, well, I was going to paint the fence at the beginning nude. It's like, why would you whitewash the fence nude? Be like, I don't know. Hey, I'm just trying to bring some more 
artistic expression. Trying to this. make it. We're gonna make Tom. We're gonna make Tom Sawyer sexy. Here we go again with that. We're gonna sex it up. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Sir, what's with you? We're gonna have to ask you to leave. <laughs> yeah. And not be a part of yeah. community theater. Uh it's a no. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, you're a male, so you can't play Annie. And Annie is not nude. She's a small child. You're disgusting. <laughs> But I'm not a small child. It'd be a grown man nude, Annie. I'm not being weird. Anyway. It, it says from. here in your application that you have a dog that you were going to um, bring and she, he could be Toto for <laughs> Wizard of Oz. I thought I would be Toto. <laughs> like you, you bring in like a gigantic basket and you stick your head out. Oh, my God. I'm nude and, uh, inside this basket. Except for a, a studded collar. <laughs> yes. What's What is happening? All right. I'm wagging my tail, I promise. <laughs> oh, anyway, <clears throat> back to the story. Wow. I tend to believe the children's version of this, not only because there are two witnesses to verify it, and there's more than two, but two that I read accounts from. It's just more plausible. Yeah. But also because Marshall tended to put a mysterious spin on his stories, making everything sound like fate had brought them together, like we just talked about. Although... Really, fate can bring you together, whether it's like you met because your dog got ran over and you were both at the vet or you were both grabbing a kumquat at the same time at the supermarket. Who cares? Wouldn't it be funny if it was like, how did you guys meet if you're talking to some couple and they're like, it, it was fate. It's like I was looking through my online dating app <laughs> and there she was. <laughs> and I didn't swipe left or yes. right. I don't know which way. Whatever you swipe, that means. Whatever yeah. that is. but. <laughs> like it was fate she was on there so was i it was fate i stalked her silently for four months yeah and then she noticed me and i pretended like i'd never met her i don't know it was also fate other people were on there but i didn't like them as much <laughs> it was fate she had a really nice rack and i noticed oh. it yeah well, that's spice, fate. It's spice rack that's <laughs> had cumin and Garlic powder it had what? and all kinds of stuff. What? Garlic powder. Okay. No matter <laughs> no matter how they met, one thing is for certain. The two were instantly enamored with each other and formed an instantaneous bond that would never be broken. Bonnie gave Marshall a reading directly after they met and discovered their stars aligned. Ooh. Mm -hmm. During that meeting, they shared ideas and talked for hours about beliefs in heavenly connections, biblical prophecy, and alternatives to the traditional Christian doctrine. They almost Except that one thing he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Not so traditional. But other than that, the stars were all aligning. The yeah. the other thing that was aligning was Uranus. But oh, was, uh, I see what you did there. Oh, the big dipper. They call it the big dipper. <laughs> yep. But I think I think by this time though he was he was like not indulging in the appetite. No, she probably didn't know anything about that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen pictures of him in the 70s, and I'm like, I would know. I think I would know. Yeah. You can't profile, though. No. And hey, they're they're above that anyway. Like, yeah. even if she knew, she wouldn't have cared. Yeah. Honestly. He was a smashing young man. She didn't know he would. He was smashing young man. <laughs> <laughs> he was just, he just happened to, to be a pretty, you know, a pretty good looking guy. He was. <laughs> okay. We're off the rails tonight, folks. <laughs> folks. Oh. I said folks. They almost immediately became convinced that they, I'm just going to start reading again, yeah, had been meant well. to meet each other and that Nettles was the sage, quote unquote, and Applewhite was the speaker, quote unquote. Mm. Or simply put, 
Bonnie was the brains and Marshall was the mouthpiece. Oh. They, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And he had the looks, too. He was a nice-looking young man at the time. Sure, sure. They packed up and left their old lives behind on New Year's Day, 1973. Marshall broke off all contact with his family, and Bonnie left behind a husband, four children, a home, and a job. It must be made clear, though, that their relationship... No, it wasn't a relation strip, because <laughs> it was platonic. <laughs> that sounds like a good name for some kind of special chicken strip. Relation strip? Ooh, yeah. a Valentine's Day special. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Shaped like stupid. hearts. You put, there's one's like a half a heart, and the other one's the other half, and you you get the meal together and put the two strips together. Yeah. I'm happy with our relation strip. <laughs> Anyone listening that runs a chicken food restaurant you can have that one you could take it they could be little nuggets <laughs> then just pulverize the rest and put them in something oh my god some kind of processed chicken part <clears throat> but yeah it has to be made clear that their relationship was totally platonic the two had no romantic interests in each other whatsoever and in fact marshall it was the total opposite because he had longed for a close companion and a soulmate but nothing on a sexual level. He wanted a close companion without the bother of having any desire. You know what I mean? Mm. I, yeah, I guess. I kinda... Well, I don't I really don't know what that means either, but that's what he wanted. Well, yeah, just he just wanted like, yeah, I, I understand. Like more like a friendship. Bonnie was the Joe to his Ivan. Yeah. Yeah. We're really close, but there's I mean, you're a nice sure. guy and everything, but I'm just sure, you know, just not that. Into no. <laughs> No, but probably as, you know, we're getting into the stuff that they, you know, did together mm-hmm. as far as like forming what they're going to form. Yeah. I mean, obviously, at some point it would make sense as like, hey, let's be all about this. You know, let's stay focused and, you know, and and, and if you thought that the stars were all lined up and UFOs and whatever, whatever guy was going to speak to her or whatever. It's that's like probably all bigger than just that thing of the flesh, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like in Step Brothers, <laughs> when Dale and Brendan figure out, it's like, that's why our parents met. So we could form this alliance oh, when yeah. they make prestige yeah. worldwide. Yeah. It's kind of it like that. It's fate. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. nothing like that, but I wanted to bring well, up Step Brothers. I mean, it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> you, no, you, you, you had it right. And on the flip side of Marshall's deal, Bonnie had longed for a partner in which to share her ideas, and she had a large part in helping Marshall believe that he was actually a divine being. They fed off each other. She claimed that extraterrestrials foretold their meeting, and soon he believed her. It didn't help that he had already had visions of a prophet telling him that he had been chosen for a role very similar to Jesus. You know, there's there's an amazing TED Talk. I think I've mentioned it before, but it's how to start a movement. And it talks about, it shows this, this guy doing, delivering this Ted talk. I can't mer- remember his name, but if you, if you Google how to start a movement, Ted talk, you sit on the toilet thing. first. That's the first step. No, I'm different sorry. movement. That's no, so stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Go it's ahead. okay. It's okay. <laughs> such an idiot. It's okay. It's okay. So, uh, <laughs> basically it shows this guy and he's in, and he's like at a concert and he's kind of dancing around and stuff. Yeah. And he's like a lone nut. Even the guy says it. He said, this guy's dancing and the other people are kind of looking at him. And then another guy runs up and they both start dancing and they're all dancing real wacky and stuff. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so in it's, they funny. were white. You can say it. Well, they, they were, but yeah. <laughs> he, he, 
the the talk the speaker was saying well basically the first follower is a leader it is a is a leader that people don't that people don't always recognize because the first follower follower turns the lone nut into somebody that's actually a leader. Mm-hmm. You're not a leader a, until you got the first follower. He has a little clout now. Because so yeah, because and it's then, like a pyramid scheme of it. Yeah, of of party. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway, more people start coming up, and then you know the leader has to turn to the the first follower, and it's like he has to nurture his first follower. Right. So <laughs> he basically shows them a move, and they start doing the same move, and they're like. Both I call it the pepper mill. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. fax machine. Yeah, that's right. The the what the sprinkler. Yeah, another Will Ferrell. I'm going yeah. back to Will Ferrell. Exactly. Again. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it's good stuff. But <laughs> he, uh, so it talks about nurturing your first follower, and then more followers come, and then it then it becomes a tipping point to where the people watching there is less and less. So then it becomes uncomfortable to sit there and watch. So then oh. it's like a five minute video. But by the end, like a whole bunch of people are dancing. So it just kind of showed that evolution. And it said, like, you can learn a lot from this video because, you know, the 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 crate, the lone nut, the first follower and then the rest of people, you know. So that's what I kind of see what's happened here. I mean, either one of those could have just been the lone nut. But then they they had a first follower. Yeah. And I guess he had the first follower. You want Something that's ridiculous, and it shows how how easily humans are misled. Sure. I remember, and this is such a stupid thing, but I remember it to this day, even though it was like 25 years ago. It was a class in school, and it was an outside, like you would have to go outside and walk down a sidewalk to go to some classes. Mm-hmm. The doors were outside. And I walked up, and there were like four kids standing by the door. So I was like, oh, okay, it's not, it's not open yet. <laughs> so I stood fifth. And before long, there was like 12 or 13 of us crowded around the door, just kind of hanging out like, Jesus Christ, you know, almost to the point where like the bell had rang and we're like, open the goddamn door, teacher. And like the 15th kid walked through all of us and just opened the door and walked in. So the first person that got there never even tried it, apparently, and was just assumed that it wasn't open yet. And no one else. Maybe they did and didn't pull hard enough or push hard enough or whatever. And so no one else even attempted it because when you walk up and if you see eight people standing around a door, you, you don't automatically think, Oh, I bet it's open. You're like, Oh, it's locked. Obviously. Imagine how brave you'd have to be to, to step past them and pull it. And then it's locked. You look like an idiot. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what, you know, we're all we standing here. We wouldn't be standing here if it was locked or yeah. if it was open. Because I remember, like, a, several of us took a breath to be like, "Oh, it's locked," and the kid just ding ding and opened it and walked in. And then we all felt like morons. Yeah, I don't know why that stuck in my head so much, but Man, I was just like, "That's one of those things." A time machine, you have the do over. Wouldn't it be awesome to to have a boombox on your shoulder playing like "Saint Almost Fire" or something? Oh, pop your collar, yeah, like moonwalk up to the door and just. What's up, losers? Open it and walk in. (laughs) Yeah. Automatically, like six girls are like, I'm losing my virginity to you, buddy. Yeah. Automatically. (laughs) I don't know. That's that wouldn't happen. But did did you did you hear about the door thing this morning? (laughs) Oh my goodness, it was so amazing. Yeah, Ivan just walked right up. He just sauntered up and. Yeah. None of us would do it. We were too afraid. But he did. Yeah. He's not afraid. I'm gonna let him open my door. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's the type of guy I want to go to prom with. Oh, all the kids are doing a write-in campaign to make him student council leader. 
<laughs> he just opened the hell out of that door. He'd <laughs> open a lot of doors. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I've never seen a man open a door in such a sexy manner. I don't know why there'd be like a Southern yeah, Belle at your school. I, I guess I, I guess I see it as like opening it and doing a little Michael Jackson spin or something. <laughs> and then, ow! <laughs> and he's yeah. walking in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's, it, it's okay because we are communal species. I mean... If, if you look at early humans or, you know, there are some animals that are solitary and they, and they live that way largely. Um, but we're not, we've always been pack hunters and, and group, uh, hunters and gatherers and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's, that's just in us. That little scenario is just <clears throat> way down deep in our, you know, DNA to, to act like that. Yeah. I mean, very few people. I mean, it's a very small percentage of people that would just like, I, I think there's even places still in, in uh, the world that you can actually uh, homestead like, but they're so like God awful out there and you'd have to like figure out a way to, you know, subsistence farming and, yeah, or maybe go to town once every six months and trade or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's like free land, but I think it's so, you know, rare that you'd want to do that. And yeah. a very small slice of people would do that. You but do that because, too long. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I mean, we're just communal. We just, we just uh, think about how much, you know, we, we have money now, but just think about how much we trade. If you just, if you just took out the word spend and cash and I mean, we're just trading and bartering for everything. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um Anyway, it's kind of crazy. Well, you don't want to end just up like, step back and think about it. You don't want to end up like Burt Reynolds and without a paddle up there by yourself no, too no. long. Well, or, or you know, Ted Kaczynski. Oh, <laughs> that's way worse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Burt Reynolds never sent actually, bombs to anybody. Actually, he came he came to town more often than I thought he did. Oh, Whenever, really? Yeah. I mean, not not a ton, but he he came to town mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, came to the library and stuff. Well, yeah, that he was smart as hell. So yeah, I, I oh, believe yeah. he yeah. was at the library a lot. Yeah. So Marshall and Bonnie had found the answers to every question in each other. No more wondering, no more feeling like they had no purpose. They definitely had a purpose. And in February of 1973, after running a short-lived bookstore and theology class, the two decided to take their belief system on the road and find converts. Mm. So this is where we go into the phase of building the cult. Building the cult. Okay. <laughs> I decided I need a theme song. We need to do each phase. Like, okay. okay. When he met Bonnie Nettle. Building the cult. Bonnie Lou Nettles and Marshall Applewhite now referring to themselves as T and Doe. And they also went by the names Bo and Peep and even Guinea and Pig for a short time. Mm. But they stuck T and Doe was the over. Never the ham and stir. <laughs> That was just too weird. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no one took him seriously. Yeah. Well, T and Doe, now T was Bonnie, Doe was Marshall. Okay. Had uh, been traveling all over the country preaching their strange gospel, gospel that is, for several months. And by mid-1973, the pair had constructed a basic belief structure. Although it changed over the years, at that point in time, their quote-unquote gospel was basically this. Wait, before you move on, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just want to address, you yeah. said they constructed their basic belief structure. Yeah. They constructed yeah. their beliefs. 
Well, as they would put it, they were told through divine guidance. Oh, that's and not, written in the those stars. Those are your words. Those are theirs. my words. Oh, okay. Yeah, they because were. You would hope they would say we discovered. Yeah, they okay. did say that. Okay, see, I could, I could read some bias in your writing. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> it's almost like you don't believe these people. Are you saying they just made it up? Is that what you're trying to say? No. Okay, keep going. Sir. Well, it, no, it's, it's, it's fine. It was basically this. <laughs> in the book of Revelation in the Bible, it tells of two witnesses that will be sent to God in the final days. Mm-hmm. Anybody that like you and I who's ever sat through a church sermon and listened to a red-faced, sweaty preachers screaming about the end times I've preached the hell out of revelation and I've heard about the two witnesses all my life. Yeah. They believed they were the two witnesses. Oh, why not? It's gotta be someone, right? Why not? You and me could be us. Yeah. It's not, I don't want to be though. I don't want to be murdered in front of the whole world on, you know, and then, I mean, being resurrected would be pretty sweet, but anyway, they believed they, they, they were the two witnesses specifically a few verses in the 11th chapter of revelation read as follows. And I just, there's a bunch of them, but I only, I'm just going to go through these quickly. There's like six or seven I want to read, okay? Oh, that's cool. I like it. Just to let people know. Uh, this is chapter 11, verse 3. I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days. little touch of Abraham Lincoln in there. Clothed in sackcloth. Verse 6. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. And have power over waters to turn them into blood. That's a big theme in the Bible. And to smite mm-hmm. the earth with plagues as often they will. Next mm-hmm. verse. When they and when they shall have, shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and will kill them. The two witnesses will be killed, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their bodies be put into graves. So basically everybody in the whole world is going to see it. No one's going to care. They're basically going to be happy because these people had came to prophesy about something good about, you know, Jesus and God and save yourselves. And the world is so wicked. Everyone's like, we don't care. So they have a big party once they're dead. Verse 10. And they that dwelt upon the earth, dwell upon the earth, shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts to one another because these two prophets that tormented them uh, that dwelt on the earth after three days and half and and half. Okay. The spirit of life from God entered into the two and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them, which saw them last verse. And they heard a great voice. I know from saying, uh, from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. So mm. that's the big coup d'etat at the very end. They're resurrected in front of everybody and everyone all of a sudden is like, holy shit. They, they, this was actually the real deal. Holy shit. Yeah. That's what my preacher said. So yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. they believe they were those two. Uh, okay. Hey, it's a good gig. If you can get it, be somebody. Yeah. Yeah. However, the pair had also blended sci-fi into their, into their beliefs, insisting that cool. I know, right? That's where they get that they were kind of aiming towards the geek, you know, niche. Yeah, yeah. And they got it. Yeah, insisting that the uh, cloud the two witnesses ascended upon had actually been a UFO. 
This would just be the beginning in what would years later become a full-fledged UFO cult, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, T and Doe were having some hard financial times on the road. They often scraped for food and relied on the generosity of others just to get by. In August of 1974, Marshall was arrested in Harlingen, Texas, for failing to return a car he had rented in Missouri. He insisted to the police officers that he had been divinely authorized to keep the car. <laughs> so... Yeah. I wish I could have been there for that. So he played insanity. I guess so. Okay. Yeah. You don't get it. God himself said I could keep this 1972 Volkswagen. If that worked, can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, OJ probably would have said, yeah, I did it, but here's why, you know. I had been divinely authorized. Told me to (laughs) cut him up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was authorized. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Clinton, I was divinely authorized <laughs> yeah. to hit that. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's it sounds, I like how it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Divinely, D- divinely authorized. authorized. Yeah. I'm going to start using <laughs> that in my marriage. It's a, it's a new president. DA, the yeah. old DA. Yeah. You didn't flush, you jackass. I was divinely authorized to not flush, baby. Yeah. Just take it up with the guy upstairs. I don't know what to tell you. Talk about a cop-out. I don't know why I made my wife sound like a like a, a, a 1970s Jewish lady from New Jersey. <laughs> you didn't flush the toilet, you Mary. I don't know. It's, it's Rhoda. From, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's, is that what you really think of me, honey? Yeah. He was sent back after this to St. Louis uh, for six months. He, he spent jail, uh, six months in jail there. Oh, they didn't believe that? No. Hmm. You know, they talked for about two seconds and they didn't believe it. Yeah. And most believe it was here in jail during these six months that Marshall started to lean more to a towards a space-age UFO-influenced theology. Mm-hmm. In fact, the minute he was released from jail, he and Bonnie contacted uh, the UFO researcher Hayden Hughes and explained to him that they were the two witnesses prophesied in the Bible. They explained that they had evolved to a level above human. And let's remember that those three words are going to be really important for the next episode or two level above human. Yeah. And later on evolutionary level above dolphins. Um, Most animals, if you want to talk about integrity and no, I'm just kidding. No. Well, I mean, I think an argument can be made, right? Right. Right. I mean, I think on the podcast, I talked about how revenge you did is, is very rare in the animalist in animal the animal kingdom. Yeah. Um, humans, it's very common. Super common. I mean, we have the Avengers and they are huge movies. <laughs> we love them. And that's basically based on the last movie. That's all about revenge. Humans um, get mad at each other for stuff like your ancestors, seven generations back did to my ancestors, seven sure, generations back. Sure. Let's revenge. Let's revenge. Let's it's, avenge. Yeah. We're really good at revenge. And oh, we are. I mean, just think about in, you know, love triangles and stuff like that. I mean, golly, it's crazy. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, animals are like, yeah, how about we, no, we killed that, but we're going to eat it. Uh, <laughs> so, or, or we killed that because it was a threat. Um, I, I, I've never seen like some animal den and there's a bunch of heads on the wall. <laughs> so I keep my heads. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some like wolf den and it's got a bunch of 
mice and squirrels and uh, anyway uh, i'm not saying trophy hunting's bad or something like that but there's something kind of messed up with like holding an elephant's tail well there is rogan talked about this on one of his episodes there was and is sometimes cases where like lions and some predatory animals sure will kill just to kill yeah there was this one case where i don't remember which one it was but there was this there was a certain lion on some reserve somewhere that they had to take down because it was just killing all the younger tigers or lions and just it was killing just to kill you know like yeah. when it wasn't even like necessary or part of what you would but, expect but i would imagine that us versus oh it's yeah 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 i mean, I mean someone's murdered every day yeah like someone yeah thousands sure. and thousands take out all the self defense stuff oh yeah i mean it's still hugely I mean, and here's the deal. Probably it's just our more complex brains trying to be civilized when we are when we are animals. So I mean, it's probably it's probably pretty tough because face it, we're probably living pretty unnaturally. Everything know? about us is unnatural. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know. That's. You know, that's all I want to say about Louis C.K. has a, a good bit about that where he's like, humans are the most unnatural creatures. We have to be surrounded by like smooth square walls and like <laughs> we have to have this um, this unnatural uh, fake light all the time. Like yeah. when it's supposed to be dark. And yeah. yeah, we eat food that's out of season because it's grown via some sort of weird chemical or under a lamp yeah. somewhere. It's like yeah. nothing makes sense. Yeah. Nothing we do makes sense. Yeah. It is kind of crazy. Anyway, it's just it's just taming the wild. I mean, all of that's just like taming the wild to make it easier. Um, you know, just like the lights. You know, you have the floodlights outside because you're afraid if, of floods. Dark, well, no, I'm just kidding. I'm you're just afraid of darkness because you don't know what's in it. Yeah, and I mean, we don't. I mean, same probably the same reason we like the fire and the campfires and in well, it wasn't a campfire then. I mean, when we were camping. That's where. <laughs> We were living. We were permanently camping. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I don't know anybody that can sit around a campfire. You ever notice? Everyone does it. Anyone listening? Anytime you've ever been around a campfire, think about it. Or I do it looking into my fireplace a lot of times. You just zone out. Yeah. I think that's because humans have been looking into campfires for hundreds of thousands oh, yeah. of years. And there's just this little, maybe this last little remnant of your DNA that it's so implanted in that all this history Sure. And yeah. Like, uh, just think anytime you've ever been around a campfire, or the next time you are, look at the people around. You're going to see at least one or two of the people doing that thing where they're just kind of sitting there. Yeah. And they just they just kind of zone out and you're just into that campfire. I man. think that's, you know, I, I sat on my back patio a lot like that. And I think that's really good for your old brain meats. I do, too. I think <laughs> I think that's just kind of like, you know, just kind of a reset, kind of like hitting the reset button. And it's yeah. just like. Things that don't matter kind of fade away, and things that do matter kind of fade in. It does for me anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's good. Go sit in front of that campfire. If you can't, I'm sure there's an app or something where you can watch an app. 
<laughs> fire on your I'm sure there's a, some thousands of YouTube channels probably it's just like fire they do have the fireplace on TV yeah yeah, yeah for the holidays sometimes really and we used to have a plasma TV that man that sucker ran hot and I swear <laughs> you walk up to it and hold your hands and it felt like a campfire so get you a plasma TV and the fireplace fire, fireplace channel of course you can't find plasma TVs anymore not anymore LED and LCD that's all that yeah don't lay them yeah. flat that plasma don't lay yeah, them flat I remember yeah I remember that and by the way, with the campfire thing, I wasn't talking about your cousin Barry that had 11 natty lights that like, <laughs> he's not, that's not what I'm talking about. That's a different kind of zoning out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's totally different. <laughs> but yeah, they explained to uh, him now they had contact. I need to back up a little bit so we can kind of reset here. Uh, they contacted uh, Hayden Hughes, who is a UFO researcher and explained to him that they had evolved to a level above human and would eventually leave this planet on an alien spacecraft and then that's when they would prove to the world that what they said was true. This is what we'll get to this in a second, but Marshall ended the conversation with Hughes by asking him to help spread their gospel through the UFO community because Hayden Hughes had quite a bit of clout in the UFO community. He claimed that if Hughes ever needed to reach him, all he had to do was pray to him and within the prayer recite a specific code that Marshall then gave to him. Mm. Hughes was left feeling bewildered by the two, but this wouldn't be the last time that they'd be on his radar. That's called a spirit paging. <laughs> beep, beep, spirit pager. My spirit beeper. It's, it's going crazy here. Oh, 911. Oh, no, no, no. I got to get. I gotta. <laughs> those of us, uh, those of you following us on Instagram who are none of you, but hashtag 911 spirit pager. Yeah. <laughs> my spirit page is going nuts today i thought it was low battery at first but no i'm really getting pages <laughs> i had to carry a pager for work up until literally like two or three years ago yeah yeah they're pretty cool <sighs> i guess when they got they got fancy there where where you could actually type in a message and it would scroll through that's i remember where they got fancy really? like that yeah and then you could get the clear one the one with the clear case so you could see the guts in it Oh, yeah, that was super really cool. Yeah, there's wires and stuff in here. That's cool. Yeah, so uh, it, my quick pager story is I I got one when I was a teenager, and I paid like 10 bucks a month for it through a company called, I think, Altel. But anyway. That's who um, uh, my work one was yeah, through. Yeah, I would get I would get uh, a page, and we'd be driving around Fayetteville with me and my friends, and we all driving around, cruising around. We're like, oh, I got I got a page, oh. and I'd hit the button and be like, "Where's the payphone?" So you had to find a payphone. Yeah, and I'd call home, and Dad'd say, "Like, he'd say, hey, could you bring some bread home?'" It's like, <laughs> yes. What was it? Oh, some girl, some bitch. No I told big deal. Her, I told her I was hanging out with the boys tonight. She doesn't need to be paging me. Yeah, putting nine one one on there. Bros just, before hoes, Andrea. Just because you want to make out doesn't mean that's an emergency. <laughs> and they're all like, oh. Oh, I wish I had a girl to make out with. And you're like, yeah, "Ah, there's plenty. Yeah. Yeah. You better get a pager if you want that. (laughs) You got a pager? Uh, No. By the the way, I got to better stop by the store. I got to get some bread. For a totally unrelated reason to a pager. I just remembered. Nothing to do with a pager. I'm going to make me a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) After all that making out is going to make me hungry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if they would have known, I wasn't that cool. They looked up to me. It's like, man, this guy pays 10 bucks a month. He must be really something. <laughs> Doctors have pagers. Yeah. And Ivan. Yeah, exactly. They you don't know? have to pay for their own. It's going to make out emergency. No yeah. big deal. Yeah. Oh, man, it keeps going off. 
So aside from run-ins with the law and financial troubles, T and Doe were having a hard time getting anyone to take them seriously. At this stage in their group, uh, their group had names like... An- okay. So first I want to say they had problems I can't wait. being taken seriously. Uh, one of the first names was Anonymous Sexaholic Celibate Church. Golly, really? <laughs> Man, hey, that's every word in that every word in that name is something that turns me off. But but if you're, but as soon as you show up, you're not anonymous anonymous anymore, right? And anonymous sexaholics celibate church. Yeah. So the good thing for sexaholics, I guess, Wait, is to get a bunch actually, and put in the same vicinity. It's a, it's oxymoronic. Yeah. Sexaholics. Well, it's actually well, yeah, because you wouldn't have alcohol at an alcoholic. Uh, at like an AA meeting, so yeah, you wouldn't celibate. have sex at a sexaholics. Yeah, but I'm saying is if you're in a that's almost like saying like alcohol like AA meeting and adding something like no alcohol allowed with it <laughs> because you had the celibate behind the sexaholic thing. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's like oxymoronic. It doesn't it, it's not necessary. Well, you know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's funny to I don't know. I know there's sexaholic groups. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. I just don't think it's great to get 11 sexaholic males and 11 sexaholic females and put them in a group together to talk about being sexaholics. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of... Probably not. I don't know. Maybe. Well, it's it's actually, if you... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to go another on another tangent, but it that is kind of crazy because I, I don't think I've ever heard the word sexaholic being a negative thing. That, that I've always heard that as being like a braggadocious type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard of, I've heard people say it called like sex addiction. Yeah. But not sexaholic celibate right after it. It's kind of funny. Isn't David Duchovny? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I heard that he actually like went to rehab for sex addiction. Oh, really? I'm not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that consists of, but. Yeah. XXX file, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> that's so the triple X files. Oh, that's awesome. Dang anyway. It, so uh, another name was, uh, and this is, they stuck with this one for quite a while after the first one. The yeah, that was terrible. Human individual metamorphosis. <laughs> human individual. Yeah. Metamorphosis or him for short. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a human and I'm an individual. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They'd hold meetings at churches and town halls and would explain their bizarre belief system to small groups of puzzled onlookers. But as the months rolled on, something seemed to happen. People started to listen, like really listen. Mm. And eventually, people began to join. At this time, yeah. At this time, there were many people around the country kind of at the tail end of the hippie peace and love movement. And that movement was over and they were kind of like wandering around feeling a little bit lost, looking for something else maybe to make them feel like they belonged. This things began to look up as people started to join and hand over their bank accounts and savings to the group. By the mid seventies, the cult had a modest following and their money problems were over for the time being. But with their growing success arose a new problem, media attention. Uh Oh, newspaper and magazine articles about the curious new UFO cult began to pop up around the nation and Bonnie and Marshall shunned the attention. They hated the articles claims of the two being unhinged or swindlers or religious wackadoos and were also annoyed at the questions the articles brought up about their past and their finances. Yeah, but don't you think that probably helped them? Don't you, would you think? think it's like free press? Yeah. I mean, I wonder if during that time if they just kept getting more and more people into it. What, what's that saying? Uh, any press is good press or yeah. bad press is Yeah, there's no like such that. thing as bad press. There you go, there you yeah. go. Yeah. 
Um, I would think there is. I would think so too. Yeah. But ask John Wayne Bobbitt, maybe. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> if someone's like, well, Tom, the serial rapist, escaped news or escaped the jail today. Yeah. Breaking news. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's that's good news for you. Hey. <laughs> Good publicity. No such thing as bad press. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I got my name out there at least. <laughs> oh, maybe might get a few more Twitter followers. I don't know. <laughs> at John the Rapist. That's awful. What a dick. John's a dick. Wherever you are, John the Rapist. Yeah, he doesn't sound like a nice guy to me. Hope he stays in prison. Yeah, me too. But when a group who had come to a UFO lecture that was held in Waldport, Oregon by Marshall and Bonnie disappeared in 1975, there was a flood of media attention. Even the iconic Walter Cronkite reported on the mysterious disappearance on the CBS Evening News. Because hmm. a whole group, a whole group went to this UFO lecture and then they just disappeared. Hmm. This was noticed also by Hayden Hughes, member of the UFO researcher. Yeah. They'd contacted over a year earlier. Well. Hughes decided to take a shot and meditate and use the code that Marshall had given him. Spirit now, pager. Spirit pager. According to Hayden Hughes, and I watched, I watched with my own eyes a, a interview with him, an interview with him, where he retold this story. To his astonishment, Marshall Applewhite called him the very next morning and said, mm. you have now asked. At this point, even Hughes wondered if maybe these two may have been who they said they were. Now, according to Hayden Hughes, and just to, to ponder that for a minute, and I'm going to say like three sentences about Hayden Hughes. Okay. Hughes was from Oklahoma City and had a degree in aeronautical and space engineering. He published several books and magazine articles on the subject of explained, unexplained phenomena, UFOs, and the paranormal, and co-authored a book on the Heaven's Gate cult. And by the way, rest in peace, he died on September 13th, 2017 at the age of 73. Uh, he also did an acting class, and he was in several movies. Um, I don't know if he like, ever starred in any movies, but he was in uh, several movies and helped with production on several movies. Anyway, that's a little bit on Hayden Hughes. What do you make of that? Uh, I can't believe the spirit pager thing. I mean, it's 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 just somebody saying that. I mean, I guess you know, people win the lottery when they almost shouldn't because. Um, the odds that you'd win it are almost nothing, but somebody wins, mm-hmm. you know, people win sometimes. So, I mean, it could have been a few days and the guy said he called me back the next day, or it could have been, maybe he just thought about it. He thought, Hey, I wonder what happened to that guy. And then he called back and he said, you have, you know, you rang or like, <laughs> lecture or whatever. Uh, I, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, I don't know. I'll be pretty skeptical on that. Well, yeah. Thing. Um, I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. Um, I don't know Hayden Hughes, the man. I don't know if if it could have been something. I mean, we see it a lot in UFO research where people want to believe something sure. so badly. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that was the case with him. I'm not saying it wasn't. I don't know. Yeah. Did he? Now, here's the question. Did he really meditate thinking of Marshall Applewhite and, 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 and recited this code in his head and somewhere... You know, 2,000 miles away, Applewhite heard him and called him the next day. I don't feel like that happened. Could he have done that a few times? Could he have thought, could have just a few times he thought, well, you know, I'll think about it just for a second. And it didn't work. But, like, maybe the third time it did. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, yeah, he called me the next day. You know, it's he funny. He forgets about all the misses. Yeah. It, it was like 14, 15 months after the two had met and he gave him the code. 
that he actually prayed and Applewhite called. It would be funny if, like, after Applewhite gave him the code, he's like, eh, shot in the dark. I'll give this guy a call in about a year, year and a half, and just say, <laughs> you rang like that and see, just see if it happened. Yeah. You know. No, I was thinking something like that. <laughs> of course, the odds of him calling the very next day, damn, that's it's just hard, man. What it's if hard. he did that to everyone? What if he just... <laughs> Every day he called. He just called. No, nope, I didn't. know. well, sorry, my mistake. You know. <laughs> He might have called him 12, 15 times. Like, no, not yet. Oh, okay. Well, let's just check in. Maybe you did. Yeah. I thought you did, but, you know, I'm in the mountains, so my <laughs> spirit reception. My, spirit yeah, reception. My spirit reception is not too good. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I've been praying, and, and God said he's going to put a new tower up here, but I don't know. He's <laughs> he's having trouble with Verizon or Singular. They won't give him the, the access. It's kind of, it's it's all legal thing. I don't understand. I, I It's all mysterious. It's all mysterious. You know, he works in mysterious ways. I, yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't know his lawyer. <laughs> That'd be funny if every three days Marshall Applewhite just had like a whole list of like 28 people that he had given that code to and he would just call, you have now as, damn it, Mar- I haven't. This is the sixth month, dude. I haven't prayed yet. Oh, sorry, sorry. I will. I pro- I'm getting around to it. I'm sorry. It's just been really busy. I haven't had time, but I will. I will. I, I got it. You still remember it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine two two four seven. I That'd got it. What if it's the, right here? I got it written on the. What if it's eight six seven five three zero nine? Jenny? No, Marshall. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh damn. Yeah. So feeling the heat, T and Doe took the group underground in 1976. Look, like rapper. <laughs> Not only did going off the grid help with unwanted media attention, but it also further isolated the now 70 to 80 members from the outside world. Marshall urged them to shun all worldly desires like sex, that filthy sex, money and drugs, and also required everyone to deny their individuality. Huh? Okay. That's what we talked about that in the called episode. That happens. It's almost like there's a blueprint. Yeah. Stay away from your family. Uh, Because they're going to talk you out of it. Yeah. Take away anything. You are now like a drone in the beehive. Yes. Yeah. Serving a higher purpose. Yeah. You can't be all doing crazy stuff that drones don't do. So, yeah. But I got to say, though, for Heaven's Gate, I think this is one of the things that sets it apart for me. This is one of the only cults that after after it got rolling and gathered some steam, the leader, who was Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Lou Nettles when she was there, um, they never, ever were like, oh, this just in from God. I need to sleep with everybody. Oh, okay. That That's happened good. with Jim Jones. That mm-hmm. happened with David Koresh. That happened with the Father Yod. That happened with oh, almost all of them. Yeah. Literally almost every cult. At some point, the guy's like, uh, this just in. <laughs> I'm going to handpick some of the hotter women out here and I look I got to I got to sleep with you. I don't know. Go. I, and I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. It's, it's so but I'm not going to question, you know, the, the heavenly father, but man, I really hate that I have to do this. Yeah. I god, I guess I'm Julie, you first right now. Yeah. Come on. But man, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Just really taking one for the team. Sorry. <laughs> I know she's married to you, I'm Bill, actually, but I'm actually I'm actually going to take several for the team. <laughs> I'm going to take a team for the team. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. But no, in, in fact, Mark- But we can laugh about it now. <laughs> it's just rape. And, I no, know, no, right? No, but seriously, you know, we're not the target of that, not the victims. 
the targets, the stupid idiot that targeted the victims. You're well, the target of our joke. And you have got to be one silver-tongued devil to talk a man into, like, being completely happy. Oh, you're going to sleep with my wife? Like, all the time? Yeah. Uh, oh. Um, and then you have the guy probably feeling guilty for being angry. Yeah. There, I, I imagine at some point there was a conversation like this where it's like, you know, hey, I, I want to apologize. I was probably giving you some pretty dirty looks when you were talking about that. But I, I, I you know, I was sinning. I was, I was hating the fact that you were going to do that. And I shouldn't have thought of you that way. Yeah. Because you're a good guy that just had sex with my wife. <laughs> but you had to, like you said. You had to. Yeah. And I was the guy that was thinking of it all negatively. I, I was rem- sinning. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for steering me clear. So, so hey, how, how about that thing she does? Did you enjoy that? <laughs> Goodness gracious. But anyway, not that I was thinking about it or upset or anything. I just, anyway. He's like, no, she didn't do that. Well, I'll have to have another date with her. And I was like, <laughs> dang it. Oh, it re- oh, God just spoke to me again and said that I need her back in there and tell her to yeah. do that thing. Yeah, tell her to do yeah, that. yeah. Tell her she's sinning if she doesn't. <laughs> We're making jokes about it, but this has happened pretty yeah. much almost yeah. in those same. It's crazy. Well, it's kind of like John Stewart on uh, Comedy Central whenever he did the Daily Show. Um, he was a serious interview. He was being asked about, you know, how could you laugh about some of the stuff that goes on in government? And he's like, some kind, sometimes it's just absurd. Absurd. It's just this absurdity. Absurdity of it makes it to where it's like perfect for a show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's. I think that's all we're doing It's pointing out the absurd. Yeah. yeah. And this actually happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This all actually happened. Sure. And the whole sex thing, I mean, but not in Heaven's Gate. Like, that's what I was... The point yeah, I you, was were, getting... you were complimenting this guy. Well, yeah, and fa- Marshall swung so far the other way that... Yeah. That se- and here's the, here's the deal. I think all of Heaven's Gate, I think this whole journey that we're on, I think it all... If you want to f- dig through the the murky mire or whatever and find the epicenter of it all, I think it all boils down to Marshall Herf Applewhite was raised strictly religious, but he was conflicted because he was also gay. And in his mind, being gay was wrong because of the religious teachings. So it was that battle. Yeah. Because he sure. was so anti. We'll get into it later more about how much he was, but he was anti-family. And some of his teachings and stuff, he literally calls children like the the spawns of Satan and mm. the family unit as evil. And he said, you have to, he said, Jesus said it in the Bible. You have to hate. I don't think Jesus said this, but he said, you have to hate your family. You have to cast aside your parents. You have to go. He was really big on no contact or, or attachments to family whatsoever. He hated his own. Absolutely. Yeah. And the same with sexuality. You had to be genderless. They made he made everybody wear the same clothes, have the same crop haircut. Uh, he did. I don't want to get into it quite yet, but he did other things to make everybody as close to just carbon copies of each other and totally genderless, no individuality at all. And I think it all reflected on his own inner sure turmoil. Yeah, about trying to you know not have these sexual desires and I don't know. It's crazy. Isn't it crazy that? someone's own inner turmoil is just affecting so many people. He just reflected it on all these people. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's what fascinates me so much. But I mean, but they're probably in there and 
now all of a sudden they're crazy problems that they had before that they thought were crazy and, uh, you know, unsolvable problems. It's like, well, they don't have those problems anymore. Yeah. You know, they're part of something else and they're someone else. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you got to think and, you know, I don't want to joke about this, but you got to think that someone on the brink of suicide might be thinking, well, if he, if I wouldn't have met him, I probably would have off myself. So of course I can live under his rules and his view of how you should live. Yeah. Because I, I'm probably lucky to be here if it, if it weren't for, you know, me being too, you know, scared to do that or something. And there's so many, I listened to interviews with a few of the people that survived Mm -hmm. and all of them say the same thing. I was kind of feeling lost or kind of aimless in my life. And I, and I heard what he had to say and it made perfect sense. Yeah. So really when you think about, let's just talk about America. There's 340 million people in America. I was thinking about this today. There's so many people out there. I guarantee this. You and I tomorrow night could get together and we could pull an all nighter and we could start a website and we could form a cult, the idea of a cult. And let's say that it's like, let's say this, we, you and I are receiving messages from aliens through old reruns of quantum leap. (laughs) Okay. And they are guiding us. That's what we're going to do to a new future. And if you follow us as we're being guided by quantum leap reruns, we're going to be given the instructions to follow a map. That's going to be given to us to a place where we can hide and be safe from an end of the world event. That's supposed to happen in the year 2025. I know that sounds crazy. And I just, I literally just pulled that all out of my ass. No, that sounds awesome. But I guarantee you, if we could broadcast that out enough, I guarantee you there would be a few people, maybe even a couple dozen, that would hear that and be like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. I always knew there was something more well, quantum probably, leap. Well, probably just like, you know, and you said, you said a couple dozen would believe it, and you're right. I mean, there would be because there's just so many people. But even let's 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 get even more on board. The way you get people more on board is to start and and don't go so extreme. I mean, start at some kind of baseline and and pull them pull them up to the crazy, you know? Oh, the Scientology route. Well, I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying and we've talked about these other cult people before. I mean, uh you know, um one of them I, I remember talking about we said that it just it just was a church at first, a normal church that mm-hmm. kind of did some crazy, had some, you know, well, not crazy. I'll just say had some unorthodox, unorthodox ways of doing things, some some new ways of just, you know, different than the others. And then that different just got even more different, you know, it's just more and more and more. And you're pulling people along and you're, you're it's like it's just like inching them, you know, not some kind of major stuff you know, leap that they right, have to take. Right, right, yeah. I mean, eventually there's a point where they have to take a major leap, but I mean, you've got them on your side and it's almost like, it's almost like the used car salesman. I mean, at first they're like, oh, I, mean, I never want a car like that. It's like, oh, wait, you don't know everything there is to know about this car. <laughs> you know, and it's just like little things here and there. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you, did you know? Oh, well, look at this. You didn't know it did this and you didn't know this and you didn't know, you know. So it's like eventually pulling them the way where they're where they're like, oh, I want to buy that, 
you said 12,000 at first. I didn't know it was 9,000. Well, that's a different thing, you know? <laughs> it's like, but really all they wanted was the 9,000. Right. You know? Yeah. It's, it's you know, so they sold you on it. It's it's a lot of this, at when you boil it down, they're just, they've sold people, you, you know? And some people, I mean, we've, we've even talked about this before. It doesn't have to be someone of low intelligence. No, 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 no. That's a huge misconception. Huge. Yeah. yeah. I don't think any of these people were of low intelligence. I mean, some probably were. I would, you know, there have to be some. That well, were. yeah. They have but, a- but all it takes is, I mean, it, and it's a workout thing. I mean, to build new muscle, you're going to, you're going to like, you're going to like, uh, you know, kind of destroy muscle and build new muscle. So basically they're going to kind of whittle you down and get you to something malleable, not so strong. And then they're going to build you back up. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that's briefly, that's the process that we've talked about before on these guys. Well, these people were and girls. Yeah. They, well, yeah. Cause I think it was like almost 50, 50 within the group. Yeah. Especially at the end, but, and we'll get into this later, but to speak to the kind of people that were in the heaven's gate cult, at least at the end, they had started their own. This was the mid nineties. <clears throat> they had started their own company where they built people's websites and stuff. They were bringing in, I think it was called heavenly. Oh, I can't remember. It's in the notes, but anyway, they were bringing in over $400,000 a year in the mid nineties with this company that they were designing webs. These were smart people. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. They were smart people, but I, I man, I tell you what it does. Your, your level of intelligence has nothing to do with being swindled by somebody it really doesn't i know it and look yeah if you have a low intelligence you will be more easily swindled but these people very few if any were of low intelligence well let's not even let's not even go negative on it let's let's say you know you have to be open to a certain degree to find positive message into positive messages and to accept those like say you go to some like spiritual retreat where where you have someone that is just kind of like a life guru that that is that's wanting to to get you in touch with yourself and wants to teach you yoga and meditation and mindfulness i mean there's got to be a certain ap- amount of openness to that person whenever his or her intentions is 100% positive and you'll yeah. come you'll come away 100% a better well not 100% but you'll come away a better person so that type of openness you have to have even to let positive things in. Yeah. You know, or, or you just, or think about this, like you're kind of a, if you're maybe sort of a negative person and you go into the dating scene and you meet somebody, whether it be online or just, you know, in in a club or whatever, 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 however you meet someone, you know, there, there have been cases obviously where someone you know, see the world opens up to them, you know, Oh, the birds are tripping and the, the sun is shining. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, do, 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 do. Yeah. Here comes, the sun. you know, do, uh, whatever. Do, do. But anyway, uh, there's that you've got to have a certain amount of willingness to open your heart to someone. And in, in a lot of times that's not a negative thing. That's a good thing because, you know, you open up and in, they bring you along on their journey and they you're a better person for it. Yeah. So these same people had that type of openness. It just happens to be this guy and girl um, didn't have the most positive 
you know. <laughs> no. Uh, um, I mean, they thought they did. Intentions, but... and they thought they did. And well, I mean, let's go back to Koresh, and let's go back to, you know, uh, um, oh, Jim uh, Jones. Jones, yeah, that's <clears throat> a great example. I mean, anyway, I, I don't know. It's just um, anyone. I mean, we're just humans wanting to connect with other humans. Uh, we just hope that um, when we choose to open up, it's to the right people yeah. and for the right reasons. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't totally negative. I want to say this. It sure. Was, it was sure. negative. It was negative that uh, it was because negative. the outcome, the outcome. But, you know, it was also negative because they were kind of stripped of their individuality. Yeah, that's that's the couldn't contact family. So far, what we're getting to, if people don't know what happens, um, I'm not going to spoil it at this point, but so far, that's one of the worst parts. I mean, the, yeah. you know, um, I, you know, I want to preach to everyone that I know that, you know, you need to be, um, you know, feel secure in your own skin and, and, and feel, you know, your individual self is good enough and you don't have to change it and mold it and change it into something totally different in order for people to accept you. So this, these people are saying, Hey, you shouldn't be an individual. Like, like that is, you know, 180 degrees off of, yeah. of our philosophy, philosophy for sure. Well, and by now, I'm, this will give a little bit of a way, but I mean, it's been 20 years ago, 22 sure. years ago, heaven's gate, which it wasn't called this yet, but this was not for a long time. This was not a suicide cult. Mm-hmm. It did not start off that way. As as long as Bonnie Lou Nettles was in it, it was that was never thought of. Yeah, it was never. It was not. They were here to work, and then they b- fully believed that they would eventually be taken up into a UFO in your body, like your entire person would 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 ascend Earth and go into a UFO, and then you'd be taken off to another planet. No death or suicide was not part of the equation. Well, I assume that, and and I don't remember what exactly happened, but I assume that they felt like they didn't have another choice so yeah yeah okay so like i was saying uh he marshall urged his followers to shun the worldly desires he 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 kind of stripped them of their individuality all members wore similar clothes and had short cropped haircuts male and female t and doe preached that the group had to transcend their fleshly bodies and reach a evolutionary level above human like i mentioned earlier they said that these bodies are vehicles and that they and their students were alien spirits inside the bodies. Um, and they were sent here, put on earth to complete certain tasks and that they would return to the stars when these tasks were finished, you know, that, that your body and spirit and everything would be, and you might receive a new vehicle in space or on that other planet. But at this part, at this time and you know, at this period or whatever, uh, your entire self would be, taken up to the stars yeah. they taught that heaven was a planet inhabited by highly evolved beings and it was this level beyond human that they should strive to achieve after which they would travel to this planet via ufo and start a new life they stayed at campgrounds around colorado california and arizona and were told to constantly be at the ready for they could be visited by a fleet of ufos and whirled away into outer space literally at any moment that sounds super familiar <laughs> I'm it sorry. It, the the similarities <laughs> it, it, are too blaring to. Yeah. Ignore. Yeah. I don't know if we should go into that, but I will but just I, for a second. I, yeah. Go ahead. I, I want to hear it. Well, it's only because I have a certain level of animosity and anger towards it because I can't tell you how many nights 
I got home after being at church as a kid and just almost couldn't sleep because I was so terrified that the yeah. world was going to end at any moment. And then you're laying there and you're like, oh, man, I think I told a lie at school. Is that wait? I asked forgiveness for that. But was I pure at heart? Was I did I mean it when I asked it? Like if it happened right now, would I burn in hell? And then I would think about hell for eternity. And dude, that's that's like mental torture. Really? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be interesting to know that if any of those people in heaven's gate, if they were, perhaps they never had any like fear, like perhaps they were never afraid. Perhaps it was all like love based. Uh, uh, That's what it's supposed to be. And, and Hey, you know, we, we know what happens, but it's like, that's, that's later on when I became an adult, I was like, why, why is it? Why isn't it just the love part? You know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why isn't that enough? And Mm -hmm. it seems like somebody somewhere would start a church and say, you know, Hey, this is, this is what we're preaching. I mean, we don't have to, we don't have to talk about maggots eating your body for eternity. We don't have to go there. Burning in fire, begging for a drop of water. Yeah. Um, Because if, if, if I could show you the love that's there. You wouldn't need, you wouldn't need to be, um, scared into, you know, believing because yeah. you'd want to believe because you'd understand the love. Uh, I don't know. No, I get it. Yeah, that's I know the you get part it because we yeah. talked about it, we've talked about it a lot. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, it's 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 kind of like the first day of school, and a new kid comes to the school, and you take them in there and, and show another kid get paddled right in front of them. Oh. And then you're like, you know, Hey, you know, I'm not trying to scare you. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> this is what happened when this is what happens when you don't, you know, and it's so graphic. It's like, it keeps them awake. And I was like, Oh my, what if I say something on accident? What if I, you know, stub yeah. my toe and say a bad word? I'm yeah. going to get, I'll be in that office and they'll be waylaying me. Like they did that one kid today. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can you see why that's so messed up? Yeah. Like you would never do that. You would, you would want to go to the school where they would assume that you're good until you're not. And then when you're not, then they deal with that. But you know, I don't know. Instead of sh- showing them the f- at first thing, the worst case scenario, I don't know. That's what I feel like they're doing. It's with mentally the revelation. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of messed up. Well, it is completely messed up. <laughs> but, you know, that's my opinion. We could debate that. Uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, that's how we feel about that. That's how we, And that's all there is to say about that. That's right. Well, one cult member who was interviewed said that even when she bought toothpaste, she would purchase the smallest tube, like the little travel size tube, because she didn't expect to be round long enough to use a full size tube. No, oh, yeah. Why would you? That's your money. Yeah. That's how much they fully believed it. Hmm. This, uh, the group was also under strict orders to have no contact with anyone outside the group, especially their families. Talk what, about that. Wait, why even brush your teeth? That's a good point. <laughs> if you're not going to be, I mean, it'll take years for dental problems to, to develop, right? So why even, I don't know, maybe just to not have ass breath while you're here <laughs> in your vehicle. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> the group was also under strict orders to have no contact with anyone outside the group, especially their families, and not to trust anyone outside the group either. There we go back to cult 101. Yep. First oh, yeah. page. Yep. Like so many other cult leaders, Applewhite was constantly telling his followers that everyone else was out to get them, to take them down, and to not let them complete their mission. 
So how are we on time? What are you doing now? We're good. Okay. We're good. Let's keep rolling. Through the rest of the 70s and into the early 80s, the cult continued to move about, but it is evident that even that doubts were beginning to grow within the group. Several longtime members quit, and according to a letter sent to her daughter Terry, it seems that even Bonnie had to begun had begun, sorry, to have some doubts. She started urging her daughter in one letter to conform to society and take a conventional path in life, which is a stark contrast to everything else she ever told her. Whoa. I know, right? To make matters worse, both for the group and even more so Bonnie, she was diagnosed with brain cancer sometime in the early 80s. By 1983, it had grown into her eye, which had to be removed. Despite this, Bonnie and Marshall both fully believed that they could not be harmed by man nor disease until their mission was complete, after which they would ascend to heaven via the spaceship, right? That's the plan. Yeah. It was incon- inconceivable. <laughs> that I thought about that when I typed that. Inconceivable. <laughs> yeah. Great line. It was inconceivable that T could have her mission ended by something so trivial as her vehicle succumbing to an earthly disease. Because this is she's sent from God, right? That is, There is something kind of cool about that. Oh, this is my vehicle. All right. Yeah. I mean, we should think about it that way. It's like as far as health reasons. Yeah, really. You don't put I shit mean, even, gas in even your car. if you don't believe in even if you don't believe in afterlife and stuff like that, it's still kind of a vehicle that's just that just your mind's riding around in. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. So, and you know, when spare tire, she needed like a spare eye. But you yeah. know, it's if you think about it that way. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, that's. I'm a little banged up there. But yeah. That's a cool way to think about it. Yeah. Your vehicle. Yeah. It's my vehicle, baby. <laughs> Take you anywhere you want to go. Damn, girl. Your vehicle's pretty nice. Ides of March. That was a weird band. I don't know. Ides of March? Yeah. Wasn't that the name of that band? I don't know. They You're over my vehicle. head. Uh, they, uh, the Blues Brothers redid that song. Really? Yeah. I think they did. I yeah. Anyway. It's cool. a, it's like a seventies band or something. Cool, man. Anyway, yeah. Well, where was I at? Oh yeah. So trivial as uh, something happening to her vehicle. Right? Bonnie cast her doctor's diagnosis aside and went back to the business of running the cult. But before long, it was undeniable that Bonnie Lou Nettles was not immune to the cancer growing in her head as she grew visibly sicker. Marshall sent her back to her native Texas, away from the rest of the group. Wonder why? Yeah, because I mean, it probably just shows. I mean, it just disproves a lot of things. Yeah, I think he panicked. He couldn't let her, and she knew she couldn't deteriorate. You know, deteriorate in front of the whole group because she's supposed to be divine. Yeah, uh, she used a fake name, Shelley West, once she got to Texas, and she checked. She checked into Parkland Memorial Hospital in Dallas, even though most of her family was only a couple hours drive away. Marshall told no one that she was there. Bonnie passed away alone and in secret on June 18th, 1985. Applewhite didn't even notify her family until several months later. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Cool, man. That was really cool of you. I know. There was an interview on, there's a really good documentary. It's a little dated. I think it's early, early 2000s maybe, but just put in Heaven's Gate documentary uh, on YouTube and it'll come up. And there's a lot of, Terry Nettles, that's Bonnie Lou's oldest daughter. Mm. A lot of interviews with her about her mom. Yeah. And there's also interviews with past cult members and uh, and a couple that stayed, and it's just really interesting. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet it is. Yeah. 
Well, the passing of Bonnie Lou Nettles was not only a total shock to the cult, but left Marshall absolutely devastated and heartbroken. I think Bonnie was the only person he ever truly loved and the only person who ever made him feel like he belonged. Needless to say, the group was uh, feeling hopeless, sorry, and reeling after her passing as well. And Doe now had to return to the drawing board for some quick damage control. He was afraid her death would cast doubt on everything they'd worked for and everything they'd been preaching for the last decade. So some revisions obviously had to be made and they had to be made quick. Yeah. It's like, well, sometimes. Yeah. I didn't mention this before. Yeah. There's a whole new part that I just remembered. Yeah. It does change a lot because we have to remember, and I think if it's cool with you. Yeah. We might cut it there. Yeah. No, that's a good place. And we'll wrap the rest up. Uh, We'll do, it'll only be two parts. We'll do the, the, we'll wrap it up in the next part. Yeah. But uh, I think that this is the very first the very first version of this remember where they were the two the two witnesses yeah they'd been sent here they were going to complete this mission and they were going to be the ones prophesied in the bible they were going to be murdered in the streets and you know the whole world would be watching and then they would be resurrected and then ascend into heaven on a spaceship like in for like on cnn mm-hmm. in front of the world yeah that was the first version so now t is dead and Marshall's sitting there like, holy shit. Yeah. What what do I make of this? He's now, you know, she was a lot of the brains, even though he came up with a lot on his own too. But he was the mouthpiece. So now all of a sudden, he's at the helm of this thing completely on his own by himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, he's got to do some really quick revisionist and, and damage control. Yeah. Yeah, you better do it fast before he, you know, because, you know, all it's going to take is like, you know, a few people that like naysaying like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, and then the word gets around. So I'm sure he has to think fast. Yeah. From what I read, they kind of went into, I don't know, just the the people were good, sweet people that made up the cult. I You know, they just were a lot of them were and they were their first and foremost their their first duty was they felt like just to be there for marshall yeah because they could see that this was a huge sure just just as humans as much as they didn't want to be human yeah they could see that he was heartbroken he had lost a companion and so i think there were no doubts for a while because their first their first knee-jerk reaction was just to be there for him and console him and you know uh but then yeah he had to kind of go away for just a little bit by himself and and rewrite some shit so yeah. so it makes sense. Yeah. And we'll we'll kind of get back to what yeah. what came of, of that in our second and last part yeah. of this. Yeah, that's a good place to stop. Cool. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys next time on episode episode episode, episode 59. 59 it'll be part 2 of the Heaven's Gate Cult. Don Amantis. See you next time. See you.